The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey everyone, Lauren here from Foodies Watching Movies, and you are listening to the Best of the Week show, highlights from all the shows on the network this week. So get comfy and enjoy. Piss off, guys! Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics! We did some unwinding yesterday as uh, we were at an event at Twin Cade in Griffith, Indiana. Yep. Uh, you and Veronica are guest judging karaoke competition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Set up. It was set up by uh, Keith Evans, who I believe has guested on your show before, right? Yeah, he's been on Journey into Comics, and he, he was on Voices Survival. We had him on Foodies Watching Movies. He's Yeah, he's kind of made the rounds on the network yeah, a little bit. Well, Keith, uh, I guess he's been kind of like the in-house karaoke guy at, at Twincade for the last couple months. Uh, he runs the karaoke every Thursday night at Twincade, uh, and they decided to run a contest, so he needed some guest judges, and you know he hit up me, and he hit up Veronica, and a few other people, and... I guess me and me and Veronica were the only ones that took the bait so far, um, but yeah. So that that was the first night of the competition was last night. It was very interesting. My first night uh, doing like karaoke like that. I yeah. guess uh, typically in my previous experience, all time I think was one other time I went to a place where people were karaokeing, but no one gave a fuck that they were doing so. They were pretty much singing for themselves, and it was not good. Yeah. Uh, so of course I didn't get up there. I was like, I'm not embarrassing myself. No one even gives a fuck. Like that's even more embarrassing to me. You know, like what? Who am I doing this for? Right. I, I uh, I've not so, the only. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. The only karaoke I have ever really done. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm all my family weddings. You know, they always hire the DJ that does the karaoke. So like my family, my family likes doing karaoke because we're all singers and stuff. So, um, I always do karaoke at weddings. And then I do karaoke, uh, like my dad throws house parties at his place. All Well, he hasn't done it in a couple of years, but he used to do it like every, you know, couple times a year and he'd hire a DJ and do karaoke at his house. But this was my first time doing karaoke, like at a bar in front of complete strangers. So it was a, it was definitely a different situation than what I'm used to. Had to put your gig goggles back on. Yeah, right, right. And, and almost get into like, okay, this is just a performance for a bunch of strangers, and it means only as much as they want it right. to mean. Let's go. And, and you know what's you crazy know? about it, too, is like, so I'm the singer in a band. We've, we, we play shows, try to play shows at least once a month or so for the last couple of years. So it's not like I'm a stranger to getting on stage and grabbing a microphone and singing in front of strangers. But... uh this was different. I didn't have my band behind me. I was literally up there alone, and it it just felt a lot more vulnerable. It was a little awkward, but I, I, I you know, I powered through it. I, I, I felt decent after my performance. But I, 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 oh, which by the way, I got to I got to sing a song to open the the show. That was kind of like the start of the competition was me doing a thing and then sitting back down at the judges' table. But how was that for you, by the way? The judging being or the, the kickoff. The singing first, like having to be the kickoff. Did Keith give you like the heads up that that was going to happen? Or so he did. He he messaged me about a week ago and said something about like you know I if if you guys could be there at like eight thirty and kind of you know have a song or so ready just to to show everybody how it's done kind of thing and and uh, I I was kind of nervous about it. I, I mean I was I was prepared for it, so I I knew I was going to go up there and do it. But then I was like, man, if I go up there and I suck. 
and then I have to sit back down and judge all these other people that are probably really good, which by the way, some of those people like they blew me away. Like they, they were so much better than I was, <laughs> you know, that's, that was, I was really surprised at the level of competition at this thing, but it was, it was, it was, a good it time. was very impressive. It was, it was a good time for sure. Uh, one of the things you actually did like a poll on your Facebook to determine what song you were going to sing. You you weren't just prepared. You had like a list of songs. Like if I'm going to do it, <laughs> yeah. here are the ones I'm like golden at. Well, yeah, that's and the, the there was four of them that I'm uh, they're they're kind of my go tos, and then I threw one in as like a wild card that I've never done it before, but it's a song that's kind of in my range, and I'm I feel like I could have nailed it. And of course, that's the one everybody voted for. It was Post Malone, but. I got up. I got up to the bar and I looked at the crowd and I was like, "This is not a Post Malone crowd. This is not going to go well." So I, I pulled an audible at the last minute and and I did the Cherry Pop and Daddies instead. That which was awesome. Zoot Suit Riot. You were killing it. You had the energy. It was fun. It really was. It it definitely set the night up to be fun. <laughs> and that was one thing. You know, if you go to, you can always go to like a karaoke competition or a karaoke bar, and I'm sure that it can just be really lame, really fast. For sure. For sure. And this wasn't like that at all, actually. Keith did a really great job of, one, keeping the thing moving all night. Yeah. Uh, you guys, I mean, granted, there was a little too much banter, I guess I would say, between the three judges, like like when you guys were each giving your uh, critiques. Yeah. Uh, there were moments when, I don't know if it was the lack of knowing how to say what you needed to say to a specific person, but it felt like it was like, I don't want to upset somebody by saying the wrong thing, so I'm going to tiptoe around it for like three and a half minutes. Right, which so. was I, I totally understand that. It's brilliant. But um, funnily enough, I don't know if you have anything, but V gave me her judge's notes oh, did from she? last night. I, I, and there are some funny fucking things on this paper. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have mine on me, but I remember her jotting notes down and showing them to me, and I, I was cracking up a few times throughout the night. Uh, which we're going to, I'm actually going to read some of these, not all these, but I wanted to point out there was a lady last night who got put in a situation where she was a part of a tiebreaker, Mm -hmm. right? She gets a song picked for her, doesn't know the song and kicks the song's ass. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it was crazy because like, uh, so I I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but going into it, like I kind of didn't want that girl to win just personality wise. You know, I and I, I know that's a terrible mean thing to say, uh, but like the no, it's not. The, well, the she she seemed kind of snooty. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, and the other kid that was going up against her in the tiebreaker just seemed genuine, and he was you know he seemed like a really good guy. So it was it was almost heartbreaking for me to like to pick the the girl over the guy because they both did an amazing job. But just the difficulty level of what they were going against the the girl going up there, not knowing the song at all and having to just pull it out of her ass compared to the guy who goes up there and gets don't stop believing by journey, which like who doesn't know that song and who, who can't sing that song. You know what I mean? So like he, he definitely had or at least give it a good effort, right? He at least had the, the easy difficulty. She had the difficult, you know, the, the hardest she could have possibly gotten. And she still pulled it out and nailed it. And like, I I had to give her the win for that, you know. Absolutely. Uh, there's a, a a note on here that says I've never felt whiter. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that, what song was being oh, sang, but there were a that? couple. Which one was that? Uh, um, oh boy, yeah, there was a couple of times that that she said that. So the first time, 
was someone came up and did oh boy now i'm spacing out i think it was it when oh was it was it the date rape or no 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 uh uh i know what she was uh when uh Macklemore. Yes, yes, yes. It was Macklemore. Was done. Yes, she told me that. Yes, and the guy, the guy came up and did Macklemore, and and somehow he was even wider than Macklemore was when he was performing, and uh, it was man, (laughs) it was a super white moment. And then I think, and then I think that got topped when uh, the guy, there was that other guy that was singing like the country songs. And it was like, oh man, the George Jones yes, tune, and it was super slow and depressing, some, and oh, that was a pretty white moment. as it well. It killed the vibe of the yeah, room. It absolutely did. Uh, here's some notes from here's some notes from that performance. Depressing choice, buzzkill. <laughs> it was such a pick buzz something kill. a little more entertaining for karaoke. Like how into this is he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. You know, and it's also it's also got to be difficult, and we're going to talk about that now just for a brief second. On the other side of this, you had to judge these people. Mm-hmm. And then, like, be in the same room as them yeah. and maybe talk to them so, and then hang out and be cool. So you couldn't just shit on somebody and straight up give them a warning. Right. Well, that's that was the thing that I had a difficult time with because when I got there, Keith, Keith flat out told me right away, he was like, you, you're going to kind of have to be the Simon of this you know, the you know to be to compare to American Idol. He told me I had to be the Simon Cowell, basically, and I I'm not that guy. Like if if anybody knows me, like I'm not a mean person, and I I find it very difficult to be a mean person. So when people were getting up there, and I wouldn't say anybody flat out bombed last night, but there was some like not good performances, and. I, it was hard for me to give them anything less than a three, which I don't think I, I don't think I went less than three the whole night out of five, by the way. Um, but I'm, I just don't have it in me to be mean like that. And like the one guy, that one guy, the guy that did the George Jones, like probably the worst performance of the night just cause he was not a very good singer. But I, I was trying to say that in a roundabout way, but I'm like looking at this guy, he's looking me straight in the eye while I'm giving him my notes and like, I could tell as soon as I started giving him some negative feedback, dude looked like he was about to cry, you know? And I was like, I, man, I'm not about to sit here and make a guy cry at a bar, you know? It's, it, it was it was, it was was hard. It was a difficult thing to do. Definitely, you have to kind of pull back. It's really cool because, you know, V's a part of the network, you're a part of the network, so two-thirds of the judging is like Journey into Comics network yeah. built in, which is cool. And then I was there last night representing, and of course I I had to kind of clown and make a little bit of a fool of myself and oh, do the tenacious D performance. You didn't make a fool of yourself uh, at all. You nailed that, man. You nailed it. I think that was every really yeah. That was one of everybody's favorite performances of the night. Everybody was cheering for you and stuff. They went wild for it. Oh, well, I was just having a good time, man. I was well, a little. I, I maybe got a little drunk. <laughs> well, you, you gave everybody a good time while you were doing it, man. It was awesome. I will say, and and this is karaoke spoiler alert since it's going to be happening next week you're not going to be able to be there you guys are going to be on vacation that's correct so if people are able to and in the area 9 p.m twin cade griffith indiana there's karaoke competition you can still enter because they're still in the preliminary rounds right now getting people to the final round yep so veronica and i have planned a jaw-dropping duet for next week really and 
Yes. It's not what anybody's going to be expecting. It's her singing an artist that she doesn't particularly like the artist like as a whole, but enjoys this particular song. And it's going to be me accompanying that with rapping. Oh, boy. Really fast. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, there I did, better be that's video one thing of I this. told V2. It was like, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, hope somebody videos it. I'm not going to. But... I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I need uh, to see this. Yeah, probably you probably do. Uh, maybe that damn it! Now you got me thinking. Like, okay, maybe I'll bring the GoPro or some shit and set it up just for the sake of having. Well, worst it. case, but, uh, I'm gonna talk Keith into one live I, streaming. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ooh, that's actually not a bad idea. That might be a way to get more people in the door too. Yeah. Because then you see people who are actually like really talented. That fucking second chick that performed did an opera song, yeah. bro. Yeah. And she. And this is me sitting back. And I'm looking, and Veronica's a classically trained opera singer, mm-hmm. and I've heard her sing on like that level, like the the pro level and whatnot. And then this girl's like right there too, and I'm like, wow, that's actually like really impressive. It it was and super. Impressive. Then like afterwards, V's like, here are all these tips. Yeah, who does opera at karaoke? I don't know. It's weird. It was a weird choice, but uh, but you know what? To the think. only thing that I think pulled that performance through was the fact that. Uh, it was a, it was an opera song, but because of Step Brothers, if, if if everybody's seen Step Brothers, which I'm sure everybody has, you know that song, you know. So it was it was a recognizable opera song at the very least. So it was, it it was still decent for the crowd, you know. Everybody knew it. Yeah, you could be entertained by it because you did. It was just it was a it was a surprising choice, I think, is the way I want to say that. I would agree with that. Another thing that's surprising is in all of karaoke last night, and this is why Veronica and I had discussed doing this. No one did a duet. And in, it was in the rules that they could, too. And I, I was surprised that we didn't see that at all. Like, and that's, I think, you know, that'll be a fun thing. I'm hoping that next week more people come out that are different people trying to get into the competition. Because I feel like you're going to have a lot of the people that paid the premium price who are going to be retrying to just have a five-star performance and get the tie to the quote-unquote tiebreaker round. Because I think that's how it's probably going to just always happen. Yeah. Yeah, most uh, likely. But uh and then that was hardcore. You guys had to pick songs for these people no idea if they know them or not. Yeah. And it was like a 50-50, two songs they knew, two songs the people seemingly didn't know. Yeah. I mean, the one girl definitely didn't know, but then Tony at the end, that guy, he didn't know Backstreet Boys. I was so shocked. <laughs> right. You could tell he was he was familiar with like the chorus like he'd heard it before, but but he didn't know the verses at all, and he didn't know the dynamic of the song at all, and he, like, but he he pulled it off pretty well for somebody that didn't know it, or he was really good at acting like he didn't know it, so he could get that sympathy vote. <laughs> I guess we'll never know the truth, but <laughs> he's like, shit, that girl did a good job acting like she didn't know. <laughs> right? It. What right. if that happened? What if that girl did know that song and she totally played you guys? Uh, I I will. People are fucking criminal. I was gonna say I will never know because I didn't know the song she was singing either. So, from the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is the Paul Report with your host Andrew Paul. My economic left to right is negative 2.88, and my social libertarian authoritarianism is negative 3.59. So I think I'm pretty close to where Nate was. I know on other quizzes I've taken, I'm usually a left-leaning centrist. So I think I'm a little more 
I think this quiz may be a little more libertarian than I probably am. I think based on some of the questions. I feel like sometimes the disagree, strongly disagree, agree, strongly agree may have too much sway here. I definitely agree with the little bit. I'm definitely a little bit left. I don't think I'm, I think I'm more centered between the two, between libertarian and authoritarian. So I may not agree with this 100%, but that kind of gives you where I fall. So I'm kind of, I'm slightly left and I'm slightly libertarian of center. But I'm pretty kind of in between. I definitely, between my political views, my religious views, and all that, I'm kind of smacked up in the middle because I think there's definitely, I don't think any one way, the left isn't 100% right, the right is 100% right, the libertarians aren't 100% right, and authoritarians aren't 100% right. I'm kind of, I kind of take a little bit from each of them in terms of things that I agree and disagree with. So, yeah, so that's where I fall. And I, oh, almost talked a whole... 40 minutes on that. I apologize. That's just something, something that happens. So I will kind of run through a couple of the articles I wanted to talk about today um, beyond this quiz. And one of it, I don't think it's been touched on with the, um, with who's watching movies. I talked about it. I don't think Nate's talked about it on JIC unless I've missed it. I've been a little out of the bubble this past week, but I don't think it came up on last Monday's or this Monday's show. So uh, one thing rev- involved MoviePass and AMC. So AMC rolled out uh, about a week ago the AMC A-list, which is kind of their mo- version of MoviePass. It's not as broad as MoviePass. Where MoviePass gave you, you could see any movie, one time, any day of the week. You can only see that movie once, but you could see any different movie a day. For nine ninety five a month. Then AMC rolled out AMC A list, which is oh, and on MoviePass you're limited to standard screens. You couldn't see Dolby screen or you couldn't see an IMAX. See so standard screening one movie only, like one of each movie, one any one day, any theater that supports it. So AMC rolled out their own version, which is. A plan that involves it's I think nineteen ninety five a month. You can see three movies a week. They can be the same three movies that week. You can see so like when Infinity War came out, if this was around, you can see an Infinity War twice in one day and once the next day that week, and that's fine. You can see it in IMAX, all three showings, that's fine. You can't see you and a person can't use two of those three in that week. Which I think sucks. I think if you could do that, I probably would sign up because the ability to get two movies at once would be great for me personally. Because when you go see a movie with like your partner or with a friend, you don't want to have to go through the whole process on your end and then do the same thing. So, but I'm a big AMC fan. I have a couple AMC theaters really close by, and I kind of prefer their theaters. Their setup, it I just it's worked out. I've gone to the AMC in my hometown, which used to be like I think at Carasota's a long time ago. I, that was my theater growing up, and then I did. What did I do? I did. Uh, I, did I forget what I saw when I was in college, but then I'd spend AMC since I was back home, and AMC since I've been out on my own. And I don't see a reason to stop it. They've haven't really steered me wrong yet. So their plan is tempting. It's a little bit more money, but you don't have to do the whole thing of going to the theater and checking in, and then. Buying your ticket and then taking a picture of your ticket, sending off it. It's a lot of loopholes so you don't abuse MoviePass. Um, so here's an article I found from Forbes, which is 
Gyms teach us why AMC A-list will succeed while MoviePass fails. So MoviePass has built a money-losing business on monthly memberships for unlimited movies. Now AMC Theaters is coming out with their own entry in the business model, A-list, which costs $19.99 per month for three movies a week. These movie membership plans have much in common with gym memberships, but also some important differences. A closer look reveals that MoviePass looks unsustainable while AMC can probably make their membership plan work. Gyms that rely on monthly memberships build their business model on the knowledge that a large number of people will sign up, many of them right around New Year's Day, and then rarely cross the doorway to the gym. In fact, some estimates suggest that two-thirds of gym members never use the gym to which they belong. That lets them keep the average cost lower because they don't need to stock the gym based on their actual playing, paying membership. Instead, they can size their facilities to the ones that actually show up. MoviePass has one membership plan that allows you to watch a movie a day for $9.95, plus a l- more limited option of three movies a month for $7.95. However, unlike gyms, MoviePass has to pay when a member uses their membership. A gym is just crowded if more members than expect to get dedicated. In contrast, MoviePass has to pay full ticket costs for every movie their members go to see. So higher usage is much more expensive to MoviePass than to a gym. The difference is not a trivial one. Thanks to these costs, MoviePass is losing $40 million a month, and those losses are expected to increase. Unless MoviePass can find a new revenue stream, somehow monetizing the data from its members at an increasingly high rate, it seemed doomed. AMC Theater's new membership plan, A-List, has a business plan that differs in several important ways from MoviePass. First, AMC is charging $19.95 per month for a maximum of three movies per week. Second, the marginal cost of those members showing up very is very low since AMC is already showing the movies, and AMC doesn't have to pay for the tickets, just make a seat available if one is still open. Thus, usage only really costs them money when members go to new blockbuster movies that are filling the theater. It's rare that th- three such movies are playing at once, so many members will be utilizing seats that otherwise would be empty a good share of the time. In em- economics parlance, the marginal cost of giving tickets to AMC A-list members is very low. Most importantly, movie theaters don't actually make money off movie ticket sales. Their business models roughly break even on the movies and earn all their profit from the concessions. With AMC's new membership plan, its usage goes up, so do concession sales. In fact, behavioral economics suggests that such customers will spend more on concessions because they will feel as if the movie tickets were free. Thus, AMC will make money with people to join their membership plan whether they show up and when they don't. MoviePass doesn't capture any revenue from concession sales, so they miss that whole revenue stream. These differences suggest that while MoviePass is a business plan that seems to make no sense, AMC Theaters appears to have a model that can easily succeed. Their plan is much closer to the gym membership model, except they can likely make money even when their members use the membership. Studying the economics suggests MoviePass is simply transferring money from venture capitalists to movie theater owners, but the AMC Theaters have found a winning new business model for the entertainment industry. And this actually makes a lot of good points. I've actually been contemplating... Getting rid of my movie pass and going to AMC, the AMC A list. It seems convenient. I can do all of it through the app, which I usually do normally. If I still, if I want to buy tickets for a movie, I can do it in advance with A list. I can get one ticket from my A list and one ticket regular for two people. So I end up only really paying for one ticket day of. And I can still get both tickets picked up at the same time. I don't have to actually go to the theater ahead of the time for the movie to get my ticket. It covers the, I think, the normal AMC premiere. And how often are you really going to see three movies, more than three movies a week? And the ability to not be restricted on the screen if it's only playing in surround or the the big D theater or the IMAX screen. 
it doesn't stop you. So I think that's pretty cool. But I think that's really what I talk about from the whole movie side of things. Go to some other fun news, which is involves Anthony Kennedy. And this is an opinion article from the Daily Beast. It says, Anthony Kennedy, you're a total disgrace to America. No one expected Kennedy to allow Donald Trump to pick his successor, but he has, and it should and it should forever taint his legacy as a jurist. It's been a few days now, but the shock of Anthony Kennedy's retirement announcement has abated a bit. This is partially because of the ghastly coming ramifications, more on which later, but it's also because I honestly didn't think Kennedy would allow Donald Trump to name his successor. I thought he had a few had more respect to the United States of America than to allow this corrupt gangster, who's almost certainly never read a Supreme Court opinion in his life, to name his successor. Yes, Kennedy is a conservative, so to that extent it makes sense that he'd want a Republican president to make the call. Maybe it's just that simple, but whatever his motivation, Kennedy has altered and destroyed his legacy. Let me put it this way. If I owned a restaurant and he walked in, I'd serve him dinner. But if the other diners mocked and shamed him, I wouldn't exactly cry. Until last week, Kennedy's legacy was going to be that of a basically conservative but sometimes interesting jurist. He was awful on money and politics. Awful. If you've ever... If you've never read Jeffrey Tubin's Important New Yorker pieces from 2012, a TikTok on the inside baseball of how the court decided Citizens United, do so. Tubin shows that it was Kennedy who pushed behind the scenes to move the opinion as far to the right as a majority would accept. When his new court had struck down any and all limits on campaign donations, as it almost surely will, this country becomes an open oligarchy, we'll have Kennedy to thank. And yet, he helped advance human and civil rights in this country by voting to legalize same-sex marriage. Obergefell versus Hodges was a landmark case that was going to live in history alongside Brown versus Board of Education, a triumphant moment when we as a nation rose above past prejudices, prejudices that will look ridiculous and embarrassing 100 years from now. Now I wrote, notice I wrote was going to, because now assuming Trump and the Republicans get their justice, it's only a matter of time before uh, Obergefell is overturned. Look at this map. Most of the countries of the Western Hemisphere have federal laws legalizing same-sex marriage. Canada, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. Someday the United States will no longer be among them. Kennedy was also a swing vote, of course, on abortion rights, siding with the liberals and keeping Roe versus Wade law of the land. On Sunday, Maine GOP Senator Susan Collins said seemingly pretty definitely that she'd oppose a nominee who'd overturn Roe. But all that probably means is that the nominee will lie about it at his or her hearing. Every conservative since Antonin Scalia has sat up there and dispensed obviously insincere tripe about respect for precedent, a history Paul Waldman recounted recently in the Washington Post. So Collins, reassured by the nominee that she, he, will keep an open mind and respect precedents, will cave as she always does. So this is what Kennedy has done. He has knowingly destroyed that part of his legacy, which was in fact his entire legacy, because they were the only interesting and brave things he ever did, and now these precedents will be overturned, now Kennedy's legacy is the destruction of Kennedy's legacy. But that's not even the worst part. The worst part is that by retiring in the middle of the Robert Mueller investigation, Kennedy's letting Trump pick one of his own jurors. He obviously had to know he was doing this, and what are we to do if the Supreme Court holds something in the near future by 5-4 with Kennedy's successor in the majority, but that the president is indeed above the law? It could be that Kennedy would have been part of such a majority anyway, but if Trump's two justices are part of that five, it will taint the court forever, and it will tarnish what remains of our democracy. As the highest court in the land will have ruled that the crookedest president in modern history cannot be called to any kind of legal account. Kennedy had to 
had to have contemplated all this as he pondered his resignation because he made a decision that renders him not an independent jurist who takes seriously the constitutional responsibility of the judicial branch to check the executive, but just another partisan hack. And now we learn that on top of everything else, Kennedy may just be corrupt. So his son Justin, if last week's New York Times account is correct, in essence kept Donald Trump in business for the better part of a decade, overseeing $1 billion worth of loans to the Trump Organization via Deutsche Bank, where he worked. Justin and the Trump kids are buddies. It seemed Justin and Trump himself are palsy-walsy. This is grotesque. There was once a time in this country, 40 or 50 years ago, when a connection like this might have led an honorable associate justice to recuse himself from every case involving the administration that came before him. Or if not that, at the very least, a justice would have cared enough about appearances that he would have tried to stay on until 2021 to see if the country elected a new president, someone who wasn't arguably saved from bankruptcy and humiliation by his own flesh and blood. But not only did Kennedy not do that, he chose not to risk the possibility of the Democrats winning the Senate this fall and pulling a Mitch and doing to a successor what McConnell did to Merrick Garland, a jurist who cared more about his legacy would have waited, indeed would have hoped that a Democrat took the Senate, perhaps forcing President Trump to put forward a nominee who was more moderate and who would follow Kennedy's own example on abortion rights and gay rights, but no. In other words, Anthony Kennedy went out of his way to make sure that the president, who was elected with fewer votes than his opponent and whom time might reveal to have won the White House by cooperating with a foreign adversary and whose business career was salvaged by none other than Kennedy's own son, gets the name as replacement, a replacement who is all but certain to undo the only good Kennedy himself ever did. What kind of person do you have to be just to justify f- all of this, that to yourself, to abet the dissolution of your own legacy? It's like Kulik handing a Bolshevik a pistol, except when the real price here will not be paid by Kennedy, but by the millions of Americans who will lose hard-won rights. May the name Anthony Kennedy live forever in infamy. And this was an opinion piece on the Daily Beast by Michael Tomaski of the Daily Beast. I think that's actually a very powerful statement. I know that there's a whole thing that there's, due to the relationship with the son, how it could lead to Kennedy stepping down. So there's a lot going on here. And I'm just going to run a little long. I'm going to drop the stock talk. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because uh, Chris talked about it on uh, JIC and wanting adulting and easy to cover about it. I know nothing about stocks. My 401k is in stocks, but I don't know nothing about it otherwise. So I'm really not going to focus on this episode. I will talk about some crazy news that I saw. I've been a little detached from the news this week, but I saw this like the second I turned on my TV yesterday. And it is... Nine wounded as man stabbed children at a three-year-old's birthday party. So a man armed with a knife attacked children attending a three-year-old's birthday party in an apartment complex in Idaho on Saturday night, going on a stabbing rampage that wounded nine people, including six children. The man, identified as Timmy Earl Kinner, 30, returned to the complex, the Wiley Street Station Apartments, a day after he was asked to leave the property because of his behavior. William L. Bones, a police chief in Boise, Idaho, said at a news conference on Sunday, Mr. Kinner began attacking the children with a knife around 8.45 p.m. Who was vis- uh, said Chief Bones was visibly emotional as he described a scene of victims scattered across the apartment complex in the street and on the walkway. Among the victims, he said, were the three-year-old who was celebrating her birthday, two four-year-olds, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 12-year-old. The three other victims were adults who tried to intervene. Four victims received life-threatening injuries. This was an attack against those who are most vulnerable, our children, Chief Bones said. It's untenable. 
unconscionable. It's pure evil in my mind. The birthday party, which was complete with cake and decorations, was held outdoors in an area that was accessible to the public. On Sunday, remnants of blue and red balloons could be seen in a grassy area of the complex. The apartments are home to a diverse community, including refugees and families with children. The stabbing victims were from Ethiopia, Iraq, and Syria, the police said. Chief Bones said there was no evidence that the attack was a hate crime. When I was looking for stuff, how to ask, like, my bridesmaids, stuff's expensive for that. And, like, some people shell out a ton of money just to ask their their bridal party to be in their bridal party. And then you add to that, you know, all the different accessories you have the day of, and it's just, like, it adds up very quickly. And you don't realize it until you actually start shopping for it. Uh -huh. So that's why I went a lot simpler with mine. Um, I did go... I, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to get my bridesmaids, but I actually um, ended up getting something that I had actually pinned on Etsy. And I was like, oh, that might be something really cute. It was a really simple necklace. And um, I ended up actually um, making my own like little printout that I put inside the box that... Um, that I used and I sent them to all my bridesmaids and they really liked it. So I thought that was a nice, like, alternative to, like, some people have these, like, bridesmaid boxes where there's t-shirts and there's wine glasses and there's, you know, confetti and champagne and it all is a lot of money. And it's, a, and it's like a big box to them. Like, what in the world? It's going to make a care package at that point. Exactly. So I like the... And, I mean, both of us really went simple when it came to asking our right. parties. I, mean, I, still, I still haven't technically... I haven't done the... I did. I also went the Etsy route. Because Etsy does have good stuff for a lot of different things you don't expect. You can just search whatever, and there's always some craft person who's made something. And I went the little, like, a little tag is like on a liquor bottle, and then... But I still have, like, three still here because I can't mail liquor across state lines it's kind of weird i don't know can't do it through the post office i do it through ups and it's really expensive so i'm just waiting it out yeah but it's it's kind of nice to kind of get some of the, like the number all the venues we went and checked out because we knew what church we're going to do it at right away because we were going to go to the one that i had grown up in and um it's actually i believe it's the oldest church it's the oldest building in buffalo grove and I mean, granted, we're not the most religious people, but if I were going to get married in a Catholic church, I would want to be there because they have a really nice, like, the, I'm pretty sure that the old side of the church that we're going to be getting married in is pretty much original, and they've, like, as over the years have, like, restored it to its original quality, and it's very unique and pretty, and I just love it, especially because the church actually has a new side and an old side. And the new side looks kind of like your mega, you know, your typical mega church is very modern, but then the other side is very traditional. Very stone and wood and, and very ornate. Nice, um, uh, they have, like, almost, I think almost all the original, um, stained, stained glass is still there. I know that, I think over the years, some of them have broken just because they're old, but, um, 
Yeah, I really like the church that we're at, but the venue, I feel like the venue was one of those things that was also really hard for us because it's just, like, you get this huge shock about, like, how much things cost because originally I was like, oh, maybe we go the hotel route because maybe it's a little bit cheaper than doing, like, a banquet hall or And then there's no transport to worry about because everyone's already staying there. Right, but then we found out that's, like, probably one of the more expensive routes, especially around the area that we're at now because it was like per person I want to say there were like it was no less than $150 a plate and that was like if you're getting your basic chicken like that would be like if every single person they had no choice you're getting chicken no matter what but then you have to add all the other stuff on there too and it's just it was just way too much so that's why we we didn't even go once we got, like, the information packets from the hotel and we looked at the prices, it was like, oh, oh just kidding. Hard we can't pass. do that. I can imagine so, those people who get married, like, downtown, like, in yeah. Chicago. I'm like, those people have to be spending a small fortune. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there are certain ways that people can do it on a budget, but I have not found that yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's even even though we're, we're at, like, kind of, when we were looking at our venues and the one we ended up choosing... Is kind of like in the mid range of what we were looking at. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still expensive. Getting married is expensive. Yeah, I mean you and can. And I didn't realize it until we actually looked at numbers, and it's appalling. Just everything is expensive. It's like I was reading something, an article, and I believe that since like the 1970s or 1980s. Like, prices for things that go into, like, a reception have gone up, like, 300%. Well, I'm just thinking, like, when, like, when my parents got married, the reception was literally, like, a reception. There was, like, coffee and refreshments and cake. And, like, that was it. It was, like, at the church in the basement. There was not big fanfare. Like, our generation has made it a big social event with dancing and food and all that. Like, meals weren't even served in weddings 30 years ago. Yeah. Because I think around when my parents got married, and they're almost at the... They'll be at the 30 mark next year. They had... Theirs was like... I mean, it was a ton cheaper, but... They... There were so many people... I feel like there's so many people in the past that just had those connections where you didn't have to pay as much for certain things. Like, my parents got married at this banquet hall that they actually both bartended at. So they got, of course, they got discounts because the owner knew that they were getting married and so that he gave them discounts on certain things like for food and the bar and stuff. But nowadays, it's like, it. we didn't know anybody. We didn't know really anybody that did, like, no close friends, no family friends that really did anything wedding. So we kind of had to start from just recommendations from that's, people. And that's how we actually found the venue. It was because... My best friend's, one of his high school friends, got married at a venue up in my neck of the woods and was like, oh, this is a really cool guy, you should check it out. So we're like, okay, let's... So I texted the, the guy and got the information, kind of up and like, okay, we'll just see it. It's like, oh, in the Bench Grove. It's, oh, it's the dog park we go to all the time. So we checked it out and it just, it's a beautiful venue. It was very... It's very different from the other places that we were looking at because we were looking at like... We looked at a couple country clubs. We looked at um, a golf club. We looked at like, typical bank, typical banquet halls, and it was just like, like in my mind, all I wanted I wanted windows because I've, we went and 
I've went to a couple weddings where there was literally, it was just a box. It felt like you were boxed in because there was no natural light coming in and it was just a big room with a bunch of people in it and I didn't really care for that. So I wanted to look for some place that had like a really nice view or like at least big windows so that you didn't feel so much like you're in a conference room or in a banquet hall. You felt like you were somewhere else or like a little bit more... I would say like a little more like a de- a destination, right? So like some of the ones we like, like oh, there's windows up through at the end one, but it's only on this wall. And it's only these four windows. Yeah. But like the window we found, one wall is literally floor to ceiling, which another wall is about half windows. Mm-hmm. So like it's a lot of light. I mean, I know it's winter, so it's gonna be pitch black by the time we're in that place. But it's still with outside lights. If weather, if we get a little bit of snow or a little bit of light dusting, it'll look really pretty with the lights there. So. And it was just different. I mean, this place that we we decided on has a fireplace. And, like, what, what screams winter wedding more than a lit fireplace? It almost, it almost has, like, a ski lodge-type feel to it. And that's what that was kind of what I wanted when I was thinking about, like, what do I want my wedding to feel like? I wanted it to feel, like, cozy and at home and comfortable. And that, that feeling, for me, came about when we went to Independence Grove. Right. The other places, it was, like... It just felt like, okay, this is what everybody else does. And I didn't feel like my wedding was unique from anybody else that had their wedding there. And so that's why I that's why I liked Independence Grove, too, because they said, I mean, no two weddings are the same. They were telling us about all the different things that they offer because, yes, it's a park district or, I don't know, like a forest preserve kind of area but it also has a catering company out of it so there are like hundreds like we got the menu choices and there were hundreds of pages of just food and like there's no way that people have the same like types of food because it's just like it was just so much right i remember you actually i think decided on the venue and like signed the contract while i was on a work trip i remember like being on the shuttle going back from the airport and you called me like I have news and it's like we have a venue and I was like oh my god like and it's not like I did it as a surprise no like I, mean, I, knew, we were I just... knew we were both on the same page because like it was both our number one choice we had different like because we narrowed down to a top three our top three were different but we had, both had Independence Grove as our number one yeah and we were like like I if we wouldn't have gotten Independence Grove I don't know what I would have done because I don't think I would have had the same feelings about another venue I mean, I'm sure it, with a little bit of searching I could have, but I really like I really like the person that we're working with, and I really like the venue and, like, just the freedom we have to decorate and whatnot and the suggestions that we're getting, and right. I don't know if... I don't know how much I would get that at other places. We've been pretty lucky. Like, a lot of the people you've chosen, like, venue, photographer, photographer. DJ, have all been on recommendations. So we, it's not just them saying they're great. It's like we have people who had first experience with either working with them, being at a wedding where they were involved, and like, yeah, they did a great job. Like, mm-hmm. I remember we felt really good about our photographer when we sat down with them the first time. Yeah, and the thing was, like, we... So, the photographer we ended up choosing was actually the first one that we went to see. And I was worried, because we had seen... It had been, like, before we finally decided on our photographer, it had been a couple weeks... And I was freaking out. I was so scared that, you know, because people were saying, like, oh, you know, winter people are more 
going towards like a fall winter wedding type thing. They're kind of going away from the summer and spring. And I was like, oh, great. So now people are going to be taking my wedding date and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, so like I was like freaking out about, I was hoping to get them because again, if I didn't get them, I don't know. I would probably still be searching for someone to take our pictures. And I mean, we took our engagement pictures, what, maybe a month ago? Yeah, we took it uh, right before we closed on the house. And so, and we got our pictures back not too long ago, and I mean, I was really impressed with them. I mean, we, I get very nervous in front of cameras, and I just feel like I'm, like, modeling, and I look kind of fake and stuff, but looking at the pictures, a lot of them looked like we were genuinely happy and liked each other and we did this all the time you know right like she was definitely made us feel like like we were posing like she basically just put us like oh walk this way and just talk to each other or look at each other or whatever like it wasn't like all right turn your head this way turn your eye like look down to your left turn your head 45 degrees like it wasn't so court like choreographed it was just walk this way i'll get some pictures as you're walking back or Take Max on a normal walk, like how you guys normally would walk him, or... And that was something that we wanted, like, off the bat, especially because we, like, for our Save the Dates, we wanted Max to be in the pictures because, of course, I had been going on Pinterest and I saw all these cute Save the Dates with their do- with people with their dogs, and I wanted Max to do the same thing because he's usually a pretty photogenic dog, which he... he we got some really great shots of mm-hmm. Max, either whether with like the sign because we had him wear a little sign or if we had him like if it was the three of us or he even had two shots where it was just him they all turned out really nice and he's had he's had a really good june and july in terms Mm -hmm. of being good for like out of his normal environment Mm -hmm. like since he's been at the new house he's been working on he's been really good with the neighbors dogs and with small children he's been good about not running off he was great for the photographer and was able to, like, give her what she needed and not be scared or wanting to stick by us. He's mm-hmm. he's definitely proven he's been great. And it's definitely been a, a huge benefit for us mm-hmm. going through all this transition. Yeah. And then it was, like, I'm trying to think. So, like, the photographer was a big one. I feel like the D- we've met with so many DJs, too. Because that's another thing. Because when you're... I was told when we got engaged, like, you have to think of the things that you find important when it comes to your wedding. So, some people think that food and music and, like, the enter- more of the entertainment is important. And other people may, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of interchangeables, like, flowers or favors or whatever. And it, I think we pretty much agreed right away that we wanted... We wanted good food, and we wanted good music, and we wanted good pictures. Right. Like, we didn't... Like, those three things, like, we were willing to spend more of our budget on because we wanted them... Because, I mean, with pictures, you're going to be looking at those, like, the rest of your life. I mean, I know a ton of people that, like, that's their thing. Like, they get their wedding pictures, and they find, like, the best ones, and they put them on canvas. Or, like, they, you know, it's like four or five months after your wedding, you know, people are going to be asking to look at your wedding album and you don't want to be like, oh, these pictures didn't turn out so good. Right. And then it's like with the DJ, it's like, especially with our two different tastes in music, I wanted to find a DJ that can blend them well. 
We're gonna fuck the sodomites in the... Man. What do you have to talk about? Do you have anything to talk about? Because I've talked now for like 25 minutes you know, without taking a breath. I don't really got much to talk about. What did we do last weekend? Talk what, about that. I, I, that's That was what I was getting at. We did an event here in Lafayette called LafayetteCon. Do you have to say it like you have Down syndrome? We had LafayetteCon. We did LafayetteCon this weekend. We did a thing. We did a thing. We uh, hosted a bunch of panels. We uh, hosted the future 200th episode of um, Journey into Comics. We did, we did do that. Uh, it was it was a really fun time, and uh, had a lot of fun doing stuff and things. No, we really had a lot. I um I learned some things about myself, such as I'm not a panel guy. I don't like doing panels now. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I'm sure it'd be better if I was the one hosting the panel and I was only the only person up there, but if someone else is up there, they tend to take over. Especially Nate and I up Espe- there yeah. because Nate you're not going to help talk us. Oh no, not at all. But like every time Nate would l- look over at me and say, Hey, do you, do you have any questions, Dick? I'm like, Nope. I'm you guys, you've been asking all the questions and I don't really know what to ask. I'm just listening. I'm learning. I'm taking all this in. The chat feed is blowing up. Uh, Clint wants to know why your sideburns and mustache are a different color than your regular hair. Well, believe it or not. So uh, the, the thing is, my dad has red hair. I have brown hair. I have red in my beard and facial hair. Um, that's actually a pretty common thing, whether your parent has red hair or not. It's actually a pretty common thing for red hair to be in your facial hair. I've got a lot of red hair. So, um, why is Tyler's face red? Stolen valor. (laughs) What? He looks like cooked chicken egg. Yeah, I worked outside today for 13 hours, Micah. So that's why I'm sunburned. And I got sunburned yesterday. So I double burned myself. He says he thinks it's fake. I know. But he, he thought my mustache you was trying fake. to rip it off is not no, the same I, as me trying to rip I'm it off. I'm just straight up demonstrating. Yeah, I could be glued on there. No. You don't know what No, cra- you're not you you're not gonna rip it off. Do. You're not gonna rip it off. <sighs> I need an umbrella hat. You need an umbrella hat. I need hat. an umbrella hat, I umbrella really hat. do. Like just like the one uh Bill Murray had in a Looney Tunes movie. Yes. Space Jam. Micah says, Space Jam. Tyler That's- doesn't really have facial hair. He spilled his dog on his face as he ate it. Um, I don't really know what to think about that, nor do I understand what you're trying to say. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> but no, uh, back to LoffyCon. No, we... Despite me discovering, okay, I'm not so good at panels and I'm maybe just not the best person for them, uh, I really had a great time talking to the panelists, Mm -hmm. uh, met a lot of artists, met a lot of people in general, and um, 
it, it was just really cool to connect with them even off the stage and just chat with them the little bit that we did. Well, we did have, I mean, we, LoffyCon was supposed to highlight all of the artists, um, whether we're local or, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. We, we got to interview some really cool people. We got to interview a guy who builds fucking Batmobiles for a yeah. living and has been doing it, uh, for a good amount of time, has made it his life's passion, um, almost 20 years, now. almost 20 years. And how cool is it that you can, you can find a dream when you're a kid and man, like I'm going to do that for a living yeah, and, then, he... and then actually follow through and do it. Uh, Brian K. Morris, um, the man with the fez. Um, I really like doing his panel. He's, he's got a lot of interesting takes on stuff and it, it he does a very good job of painting the life of an independent author and publisher. So, um, Andy Cordy, John Tyler Christopher, um, you know, the Wabash Paranormal Society. I thought that one was cool. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of networking opportunities, you know, in the next year or so. And mm -hmm. we're, hope, we're hoping to have a bunch of those guys on our show. Um, in it, some capacity. Yeah. In the next few weeks, over the next few weeks, you can look forward to hearing some of those panels that we did on uh, Journey into Comics. So... Have fun listening to that. Do you want to talk about maybe a guest that you're going to have on in the next few weeks? I am. Uh, first, I would like to actually play. So, I and I have such a hard time uh, saying his name. His name is like Tanner Cowens. Cowens, can't remember. I don't. I don't know how. I can't remember if Cowens. I've ever if I've ever heard it actually said. But <clears throat> so. Tanner is now the former singer for Rest Repose. Mm -hmm. uh, last week, I read the statement done by Rest Repose and talked about his live video. That Which was I... very professional. Yeah, very the, professional. The, the I, I haven't watched the live video, but the statement that Rest Repose put out was very professional. Yeah, the live video is on his Instagram, so it's gone, uh, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have watched it and reacted to it right there. Mm -hmm. um, but no, he put out a live video uh, saying... He didn't know if he was in the band, and he even and after the, his live video, he didn't know if he was gonna if like that was gonna affect things or not. Um, but like a day or so after Rest Repose posted their statement, he came out and he posted a song that apparently he says I made. the The song description says, "Meh, I made a song on June twenty second, two thousand eighteen, and it sounds like this." So I'm gonna play the song. And how many views does this song have on YouTube? Uh, let me check real quick. Uh, it's up to 1175 views, not a bunch. Okay. 127 likes. Uh, he only has 1300 people subscribed to him. See, I figured he had a lot more than that. No, he's, I mean, rest repose isn't as big as like, I like to make them out to be that their only real star power they have is, um, Ryan fluff, Bruce and Jared Dines. But, yeah, so... Thanks for joining us, Brian Fisher. Nice to see you. Yeah. So this is um, Tanner, and it's his song called So Much More. Check it out. Oh, fuck. ha, ha, ha. I never switched it over. 
<laughs> Good call. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. This chorus is so goddamn catchy. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's that, that hook. Yep. Micah, I don't, I don't know this show could handle Benny as a guest. Your friends are, like, really blowing up our chat, and I love it. Micah and Brian are former co-workers of mine. So yeah. my, my first impressions, uh, being the one that's less musically inclined, I think I think it'll hold more weight if I throw mine out there first. Um, I really dig it. Like you said, the chorus and the hook are super catchy. I mean, it 
it does what a hook is supposed to do. It it hooks you. It grabs you. It makes it it makes it worthwhile to listen to ten more seconds of the song. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I don't follow Rest Repose as much as you do. You started to get me into them, and then things that I liked, like his vocals, are now no longer there. Now it's like, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm going to continue trying to get into them. I'll I'll definitely give him a chance, no doubt. Um, but overall, that song, if if he could continue to, if he forms a band and continues to put music out that that's that's that quality, I'll listen to it, no problem. Right? Yeah, I've uh, he's got a couple previous bands before Rest Repose, uh, one called Fallen Theory, and then one called Dry Season. Okay, I, have, I actually recognize that name. Really, Dry mm-hmm. Season? Mm-hmm. Awesome. You don't have anything else to say? No, I, I don't. Uh, I I haven't listened to either of them. Uh, I've just looked into his. I saw an article like, I want to say like five years ago that mentioned them mm-hmm. as bands. Like, you know how you see all the clickbait shit on the internet that's like, check out these top five up and coming bands. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I found uh, Dry Season in one of those like clickbaity articles. Okay. So that's how I. I don't think I listened to very much of their music, but what I listened to, I enjoyed. Okay. Yeah, he was he was doing a live video on uh, Instagram, I think, yesterday while I was moving, and I was just watching it, and I decided to comment and be like, hey, you should plug a certain podcast you're going to be on next week. And he's like, yeah, check out Podcast Cool. <laughs> uh, Connor Mitten uh, says, I like the new setup. Now you just need some cool... Uh, nerd posters on the back wall. We <clears throat> are actually talking about what our plan for that is. Um, we have uh, quite a bit of acoustic foam that we're going to lay out on the walls in our studio, um, but we will also be putting up cool shit. <laughs> or not cool posters, probably be more appropriate. <laughs> God damn it, Micah. <laughs> like, this is Mike and I's relationship. Like, Mike and I, when, when Mike and I started working together, we hated each other. Well, yeah, we hated each other because he hated me as much as I hated him. And then all at once, it was like, we should probably work together, and all this shit would be a lot easier. So then we got really close, and he's he's a good friend. He's a good dude. Sweet. He's dumber than a bag of hammers, but he's a good dude. <laughs> anyway, so next week, uh, I haven't established a time. I'm actually I'm actually working on possibly. Uh, being able to stream it, but uh, I, I haven't set up a time with uh, I haven't set up a time with Tanner to record. But um, either if it's streamed, cool. If not, you'll get the stream because uh, I'm recording with Tanner next Monday. You could always record the video and then just make it a Facebook video. Ah, true. I could do that. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely I'm I'm gonna be sitting down and chatting with Tanner next Monday. If it streams, it streams. If it doesn't, you'll see it. Otherwise, you'll definitely hear it on Thursday. But other than that, you're going to be getting uh, Tyler and Skyler next yeah, Tuesday. Skyler and I are hosting <clears throat> podcast feed on Tuesday, solo style. You're listening to the Voice of Survival Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Nate. I am your host, Nate. Today, I have something entirely different for you all. 
a couple uh, this past weekend. We were at LafiCon 2018. I was doing a bunch of panels with people, and we got some really interesting conversation. And this was one of those conversations that I just felt like was really cool, and I wanted to share it here. So what I'm going to bring to you now is myself, Nate, with Tyler and Blaine from Podcastrophe. You guys know them. They're amazing. Also joining us from Wabash Paranormal will be James Holsclaw and Kevin Steiner. Now, these guys showed up on an episode of Journey into Comics last year, Journey into Comics 135. If you just go to our journeyintocomics.com and search Journey into Comics 135, you can actually listen to a little bit of their backstory and a little bit more of their history. This is a little bit more of a curated uh, conversation, talking about some of their current going-ons and some of the interesting things they've encountered in their time uh, with the paranormal, searching out answers and trying to help families for free. I mean, they do this in their spare time for free uh, while living other lives, and they take phone calls at any hour of the night. I mean, uh, I do believe on 135 they discussed how at one point they got a phone call at like 2.30 in the morning or something. So they are a, a fantastic group of gentlemen. It was an amazing conversation that we had. Uh, it was fun because it was live on the floors of LafiCon. We had people walking around and checking it out, and it was a overall great experience and environment. We kind of presented it as overall journey into comics network. I wasn't sure what panels would go where, if anywhere. We were kind of just recording these because, well, we didn't know what we would get. So we figured just like last time, we would throw the net out and see what happened. So this is the culmination of what happened, folks. Without further ado, I will delay you no more. This is Nate signing out the voice of survival we'll see you on the other end of this episode stay tuned live from LafiCon 2018 take it away well like well, I guess take it away other me is that is that right do you, do we do we say that take it away other me other Nate um whatever Nate take it away officially start recording here last time we spoke. <laughs> Was in June of last year. Yeah, yeah. I had a show at the Lafayette Theater. You guys have recently moved to that space. Are you still there? We are not. No. Really? Yeah. No, no. Temporary. Yeah, it was just it was one of the ones we were following seven six five live radio, and they moved to a different studio. So we were doing a show with them. So it's kind of wherever they had it is where we had it. Excellent. So, so what have you guys been up to lately? Lately, we've actually been doing a bunch of shows on seven six five live, and we actually just launched our Twitch. Not too long ago, so we'll be do, we'd be doing podcasts every Sunday. Um, yeah. From it was usually well eight to nine on Sundays, and then we would just roll for an hour, talk paranormal. We picked every genre, so like we've we've been through aliens, we've yeah. been through cryptozoology, cryptozoology, demonology. Oh yes, that all was a big that was a talk big about religion, one. how it intertwines with the paranormal, all that. We, oh, we yeah. hit it all. And there's more to come. There's more to come. There's always topics. It's so yeah. that sounds like some things you guys have been up to lately. Yep. But I'm curious, in the past year and change that we since we spoke, has there been a paranormal hunt or something you guys have been into that was like, whoa, wasn't expecting this? Um, for me, no, I haven't. It's been kind of quiet in the paranormal world. Yeah, really? uh, we've had a couple house uh, house investigations to where you always get. And I, I love I, we go help people no matter what. It's absolutely free. I think that's something usually, you guys said last yeah, year too. Yeah, usually like, around Halloween, we get some of the yeah. most ridiculous calls because naturally, anything in September and October is a demon. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Oh like, my god, I heard my house creak in yes, the middle of October. Exactly. Yeah. There are 50 demons so, here. I just got done watching The Conjuring and I, I or, that's or my life. A big movie release like that. <laughs> do they say that like right. I just oh, watched The Conjuring well, yeah. and oh, then, all the time. seriously, yeah. And then are you like do you realize that part of your paranoia is probably from the movie? <laughs> yeah. And why are you calling me at 3:00? They're like everything the picks up after I watch a scary movie. Of course it does. No duh. Of like, course. Your mind is doing that. And we kind of put to bed one of our biggest investigations we've had uh, and what we were doing for 3 years. Um was when we were helping out in Indianapolis. We kind of had to walk away from that one because we couldn't help them anymore. We pointed the individual in the right direction because they needed help from the church. We can't yeah. provide that kind of help, but we gave all of our evidence and everything. The church were like, sure, we'll help them. We'll do an exorcism. And they, and they, nev- and they never showed up. Yeah. No, so definitely we just recently got the, the lady contacted us again. Yeah, I and let them know that basically we had to wash know, our hands of it. Actually, we, the I'm church not did not show up. No, well, the church did. No, the, the church wanted to be involved, but she, you know, the person needed, didn't want the help. You know, okay. they say they want the help, and then yeah. they, when the time comes, you know, the. Do, do you think that has something to do with their religious beliefs? No. Or uh, we followed their religious beliefs. Yeah, from we did everything we did they wanted that. to do. Okay. Um, they just sometimes they they say they want the help, and then they're really caught up in it. And it's hard to peel back those. It's layers almost like they're pull them out of entranced the within their own story yeah. and their own yeah. uh, haunting. That, it's yeah, really it's hard for this individual. Uh, they wouldn't leave the house ever. You know, they they work. They stayed at home. They, their house was cluttered. Every you know, all that stuff is just really hard to get them out to clean the house, do any of that stuff. Order style, a little bit. Yeah, I I, I hate to label somebody, but yeah, I mean, the one time we scheduled the church to come out, didn't tell the the family. We just wanted them to show up. We let them know that it was going to happen at some point. At some point, just not. We didn't want to give you a date. That way, Um, there's not like they're preparing for attack. Yeah, for two weeks. Do you think that? Okay, one of two things. Uh, My first thought is not what you're probably thinking. My first thought is, do you think that like? If there's really a demon possession happening, the demon forced her away from being a part of it because yeah. he didn't want to be exercised. Good. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Taken out. Or alternately, do you think she's full of SHIT? And that too. Also, yeah, I mean, it, got, it went as far as we, we brought therapists in <laughs> yeah. to help her out. We, to we just check on just her check, as a person check, having nothing you know, to do with Yeah, we worked with them. With modern medicine. You know, yeah. Maybe she just bad shit crazy. But then it all stacked up to like the evidence we were getting. And then the evidence that actually, you know, the stuff we looked up about the home didn't—it didn't say, "Hey, this is she's just batshit crazy." You're like, "What the hell's going on here?" Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta filter through the lies and, and figure out the it, truth through the evidence you get as well. I mean, you, you well, I, we are getting evidence when we went there. I mean, it was legit evidence. It's not like it was she's saying all this stuff and then there's yeah. no return yeah. on what she's saying. There is a gray area between what she's told you mm-hmm. and what you guys are experiencing exactly. and how to go. Okay, right here is really what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's got to be difficult for you guys. And that, yeah. that's why we kind of we had to, we know we, we got to a certain point where like. We don't know. To to a degree, I play a therapist. Weird. Well, like you sit, and you, you talk Phil. to them, and you get involved in their family, their their lives. You need to go through and figure out, you know, what's healthy for them to do mentally. You know, all those things because that all affects them in in their daily lives. What well, they do. Ba- based on your guys's professional experience, would you say that when you when you go to take on a case, your first your first inclination is I have to weed through all of the what I'm just going to assume is made up and false 
first, or do you look at everything with uh, no bias, no clout? Like I'm, I'm just gonna take it all in, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna justify what what is maybe probable and what is you know just shit oh, for absolutely. lack of a better term. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we have a process. So if somebody gets a hold of us, we first do a phone interview. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we ask them, you know, Claire's day. Are you on any medications? Do you see a therapist for anything? Have you been diagnosed with any mental illness? Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you can't be afraid to ask those questions because some people will be like, "Yeah, all right, you're talking to the wrong group." I'm gonna right. call you guys the Peter Venkmans. Actually, <laughs> 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 going through and yeah, we, yeah, we you try. I mean, and then you you go to the home investigation, and that first investigation is a face to face interview, so you get to know the people, and then you get to do your base readings of the house, and you can be like, "Well, you know, there might not be anything on here because we just did all these readings, and you have a faulty electrical." Or something. That's why you feel dizzy or feel. Yeah, the EMF off of that creates. Microwaves um, do that too, right? Yeah. Microwaves, fridges, everything. So you have to go through and you have to see what's, you know, the baseline facts. And it's a learning experience for them as well. Well, there is science to this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's legitimate science. It's basic electrical engineering, you know, to that point of it. You know, you're just going through and you see them on TV, you see them using all these devices, and we're like, no, this is basic electrical engineering, like equipment that they take. Yeah. It's not really what we use it for. Shows you like to amp it up a little bit with some sweet music. I was actually right. going to ask that, because recently, I believe, Zach, was uh, it? Zach my Braff, favorite person. Uh, Braff, right? Brand, uh, 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 Zach Brandon Bagans. Uh, right, he did the Demon House. Yes. Gary and that house is like 15 minutes from my crib. Literally. Yeah. It's so close to my oh. house. What was? was yeah, it yeah, was. Uh, <laughs> did you guys? Is that? I've been yet? there. Did you see it? Like I didn't like go for an investigation, but I went up when at first. It's like I'm just gonna drive up and take a take a look at it. What I like about that case, I mean, I haven't seen the movie they produced, the documentary, and some say that's why Ghost Adventures broke up was because of that. Okay. Um, but what I like about it is they got so many professional opinions, like doctors, policemen, caseworkers. Yeah. To give these testimonies. So people that would never ever really deal with the paranormal and they're like, what the hell is going on? Why is this guy walking up the None of this shit makes yard? sense. <laughs> it it's should. either a really, really well played story or facts. You gotta take it with skepticism. And at some point, it's like, how creative can a person really be? Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think you'd be good enough to come up with this story. Like, yeah. I've met your personality, you're not really yeah. that clever, but what you're saying has some face value. Absolutely. I mean, that's kids walking t- up walls is insane. Terrifying, yeah. Oh, absolutely. One word, terrifying. That's mm-hmm. all it is. It's not, there's not fun. Well, I mean, <laughs> we have a different outlook, James. That's true. <laughs> enough that you guys are, like, that's basing true. your careers in, in, in this world. Uh, so, although the Demon House is important and whatnot, yeah. I feel like you guys have been on your own journey in the past year. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things you guys have recently encountered, aside from, you know, a person who doesn't seemingly want the help to get their situation uh, I mean, fixed? We've, we've done, uh, there's a uh, design for Evil on Erie, uh, Haunted House, so I'm one of the lead designers for that. Ooh. And just by having my workers in there, like, uh, they, they won't stay in the building. So there's, yeah. there's people that they, they've heard, that they'll come to me and be like, there's someone following me in the basement. I'm like, okay, you know, I've been here two years. I do ghost hunting and I have not heard a thing. So, you know, one night I just go down and I'm like, hey, anything down here? Just start just my own, have a little recorder going. You're just doing it? Yeah, yeah. Just, just doing it, just doing EVP sets. He doesn't, me, he doesn't give me a call. He doesn't yeah, let I, I just, <laughs> it could be like 1 a.m. I'm, I'm up, so I'm just gonna go. And, you know, and I start hearing this little girl whistling. I know I'm alone in the building. And I was like, all right, what's going on? All right, it's cool. So I start walking our maze, our tour, and I would knock on the wall. 
them cross the hall and I hear somebody just pound the wall. What? Yeah. So I'm like, crazy. Cool, I'm gonna go where that is, and then you feel like somebody's just, you know, following you behind them. So I got that feeling like they were doing. So I'm like, oh, I see what they're, they're, you know, what's going on. And then this past haunt season, we were open. I had a room that I couldn't keep actors in. It was, it was. I mean, granted, it was a bloody children's bedroom. So that in itself might be a little scary. I loved it. <laughs> you created. I had a really, really good blood splatter in there, so it was one of the best that I've done. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but these two girls, they kept coming up, and one just came up to me bawling, just crying her eyes out. And I'm just like, what is going on? So I, I go down and I sit with them, I'm like, y'all have to still scare. I'm not getting makeup. Y'all have to still scare some people. They're here, they pay to get in. Yeah. So I'm sitting down there, I'm just recording with my phone, and we know, and I'm recording. We had a camera at one point in time. We get a, like a, a teddy bear just gets thrown. I'm like, cool. So yeah. that's when I start poking the bear. I'm like, well, if there's somebody really down here. What's going on? Can you move this tricycle? I mean, yeah, it was a tricycle. And from one end of the room to the other, it just rides by itself. So here's a little bit of a plot twist with that. Oh, my God, a real-life plot twist. <laughs> real, this is actual real life, and it's real close to this area. We unfortunately lost an actor over the year before. Um, he committed suicide within, well, the general vicinity of the haunt. Yeah. And... The room right, the hallway right next to it was where he was for years. Whoa. That was his spot that where he was scared. Spot. And he would like to show. mess with people in that room before. So we're thinking he's coming back to get one more scare on the, on the actors and our tours. Yeah. And we, we'd have people come out and be like, hey, that was good. You know, that room at the, the hallway after the room, I get touched on the shoulders. We're like, nobody was there. We don't have actors over there. Yeah. What are you talking about? They're like the one spot on the we don't have an actor. That's <laughs> nuts. Wait. So, and that, yeah, that, that's yeah. A, it's a sad story and everything, but it, that, the haunt was his happy place. So, so really it was the part. reprieve from yeah. the real world. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're also going there uh, the 14th. Yeah, in two yeah. weeks we're doing an uh, investigation. We're going there to investigate. In the actual location, you're going to finally right, do it. actually yeah, right yeah. across the street from us right now. You're going to do a full-blown investigation. Yeah. You two rocking out. Do you guys have expanded people on your team yet? Oh yes, we uh, we we all we're always open to see what people can bring to the group. For um, sure. For total, we probably have six to eight people right now. We're actually having a medium and uh, people come up from Kentucky, so they're gonna come in and help us out. And, and we and try to work out. with other groups as well, oh, local. You know, try to because we all do the same thing, and it's sometimes it's hard. You know, to yeah. find the person. Uh, and they already have a group going. You're like, well, why not just work together? You know, like, it just makes sense. We all love this. So and places so are really expensive to go. That. So is, it, is that one of the things you guys find hardest in the paranormal world is that collaboration is something that's not necessarily championed? Like it's like a high school. Yeah. Clicks. Yes. One word, it clicks. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. You know, I we've been so at least myself. We, I've been so spoiled with 450 and the stuff that I um, really really like from Brewlink. Don't do what, that to me, you ass. What's What's the pineapple <laughs> one that I really like from Brewlink? Oh, the Cosmic Jacuzzi. Thank you, Cosmic mm, Pineapple that one's Cosmic excellent. Jacuzzi. I love that. And you can actually that, find that, that, is, that around That here. is legitimately probably my favorite one that I've had, just over everything. Um, you know, from 450 specifically, I obviously love the pot of gold. Um, Pla- cocoa nugs too. I don't. I don't care for the cocoa nuggets. I really like platinum nuggets uh, from 450 North. 
if I was gonna, if I had to drink one every day and not like treat myself, it would be platinum nuggets. For or uh, pot of gold for me is like treat yourself. Just because I, I, I enjoyed beer. it so much and it, it was so <laughs> limited. You know, I've only had a few of them. Um, but I really liked golden nuggets. Oh, yeah. And powdered nugs. The powdered nugs are my favorite. Uh, powdered nugs was, was I miss powdered What flavor is that? What, what are they going for in uh, powdered nug? Powdered. It, I don't know how to describe it's, it. It's I don't like, just, remember even what it's was like in a, it. It's like a puppy chow cocaine... Whoa! <laughs> it was amazing. It was just good. From puppy chow to cocaine, there's a big gap it's there. It's all I tried putting it in my nose and sugar, it was awful. Sugar is cocaine. So, um, but yeah, I mean the pa- the powdered. Well, you know, the first time that I was on Brews with Dudes, that was my first major craft beer uh, experience because up until that point, I had my nose in the air and I said, I drink beer. You know, I I, I, I spent a lot of time in Germany growing up. The nation literally has a law about how pure their beer can be, and if it's not good enough, it's not made. You know, it's against the law. So I, 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 I can. <laughs> true. I considered myself like too good to drink craft beer because I had tried some. Um, you know, when craft beer craft beer first started to get popular, and it was terrible. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. It was like I, I'd rather drink Natty Ice than some of the the initial Whoa, craft shots beer. shots fired! Yeah, since some of the initial craft beer that I tasted, and then you know, you gonna play GameCube too? Do what? <laughs> Natty Ice and GameCube? Yeah, <laughs> Chad Bro Chill Twenty One, right? But you know, getting getting back in uh, back in touch with Nick, and then doing the podcast review thing. It's like I really. I really owe it to these guys that are, are, are going out on a limb for me to give this a shot again, and I've, I've been impressed ever since. You know, I have a hard time drinking regular beer because I enjoy this so much. Dude, I mean, I didn't really get down with craft beers at all until Nick brought Brews with Dudes to the network, and then as soon as Brews with Dudes became a thing and I started listening, it was like... Not only is the style of podcast infectious and fun to listen to, it makes you want to try all these beers right. and go out and experience beers. And it also mm-hmm. allowed me to kind of like throw my rule book out the window and it's like, fuck what I know. I'm going to go to a specialty shop and buy a beer I've never tried before, mm-hmm. but based on what I read, thinking about what Bruce with Dudes has said and going, oh, I bet that this is similar to what they've tried or exactly what they've tried or whatever. Well, for me... It's it's kind of like it's it's a lot of, it's very similar to how I view going to the movies. It's 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 the experience thing and I'm sure it's the same way for Nick and Blaine too. I mean, we all get to hang out and spend time together and go check out these breweries and you know, we're doing the podcast and and we're making these memories together and experiencing all this stuff. And you know, every time I go to the liquor store now, thank you. Every thank you, time sir. I go to the liquor store now, it's like what am I gonna find? You know, I've I've brought uh, here recently. I brought a um, kind of a, a fresh fruit uh, pale ale from a brewery in Missouri. Blaine didn't like it. I liked it at first, and after it's aged a little bit, it's kind of like the fresh fruit thing. I actually think it's a lot better than it initially was. Um, I don't think it's as good as any of the stuff that we're trying right now or any of the stuff that 450's kicked out, but you never know what you're going to find. You never know what you're going to experience. So I just think it's really cool that that we get to do all of this shit together, you know, which makes it more fun. Absolutely. What are we trying now, Nick? What is this one? 
This is a cappuccino stout from Lagunitas. I almost um, sniffed that up my nose. It, uh, don't do that. I would no, not would do hurt. that. <clears throat> it's trustable. Not to uh, do that. 9.3%. So this is our biggest ass kicker. Yes. Whoa. This is our beefy boy. I We're will say that when Bruce and started, I did not know what IBUs were or ABV, alcohol by volume and whatnot. And now when I go to a place, because of your show and because of what you guys have laid out, like I'm looking at alcohol by volume. I'm looking at the bitter units and how mm-hmm. bitter it's going to be because I know the more bitter it is, the less I'm probably going to get down with it. You I'm, know? I'm not a big fan of bitterness. Absolutely. Um, what is this? Yeah, this is only going to be 29 not Which bad. I would have guessed because it says cappuccino. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's going to be a coffee. It's going to be more of a um, – I imagine it's going to be creamy. But let's not uh, let's not assume. Let's just find out for ourselves. you got to really enjoy the smell. I mean, I, I, I love coffee beer. Whoa, that doesn't taste like beer at all. It's not no. bad. It doesn't even have an aftertaste. No, it doesn't. My goodness. Sippable. Ever, ever since the Dark Lord episode we did, like I've been looking forward to like trying the next stout. Yeah, I'm not gonna man, lie. You're a stout guy now. I'm not a stout guy, but I look forward to you trying. Used new to ones. not be a stout guy at all. So when nope. we when we did that when we went to release um, when uh, blueberry fresh fruit and all that all that stuff was really platinum nuggets was released. That was the first time that I had tried a dark lord. There was Same. a guy. Mm-hmm. There was a guy bebopping around in line, and he's like, "Here, do you guys want to try this?" And we're like, "Well, we don't have any cups." And he's like, "Here, I have some cups." Right, and I was like, "What are we trying?" He goes, "Oh, it's Dark Lord," and then and then he just chronicles like the history of Dark Lord. And How many years like, ago was that Dark Lord that you tried? Tw- is it 2016? That was a 2017. So, 2017. Oh, so it was a year older. Um, but he, I mean, he just go. I mean, he just goes ham right into what Dark Lord is, and <laughs> you know, he's talking about Dark Lord Day, and I'm like. I just wanted to try this beer, dude. But right. th- but thanks for all the information, and it's really cool, you know, because I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, you know. But I I, I dug it and immediately. I was like, this is some of the best dark beer that I've ever had. Those ever. They're they're beefy beefy boys. But they but they taste very good. They're yeah. yes, they're, they're super they're, creamy. They're approachable. I'm curious, Dark Lord. Do you prefer them aged or do you prefer them immediately? I have had it a couple had times both. aged. Okay. I've only ever had it fresh this this year because I went and got my own. Yeah, um, they were all phenomenal. Fresh, oh yeah, they were. But I've had. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I, I I loved it fresh. It, it gets. I'm just gonna say beefier again. It just it's a it's a much bigger beer after you let it sit for a little bit. Did cool. you guys see a person at Dark Lord Day that was like a lady that was moshing that went crazy that got arrested? Yep. Guess what? Remember a couple months ago when I reached out to you and was like, hey, there's a lady trying to sell all her beer collection. Same lady. No. Swear to God, yes it is. Isn't the lady, she like, she like pissed in the middle of a field. Yes, she did. She's beating people up. She was a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> she was a mess. She's That's what hilarious. we all aspire to be. <laughs> Oh, the, oh my goodness! I'm part of a couple of Dark Lord groups, and people were just memeing the Still shit out talking of her. About her. Nice. Oh, yeah, she would get on there and be like, "Just let it go, guys!" And it's like, "We will never. You are no. you are legend now. Most <laughs> memeable. Yeah. So your your experience with Dark Lord Day, um, are you gonna are you gonna hit it every year now? I mean, I'm gonna is try. That, is that, is I'm gonna that, try. There were thousands of people. And they had some pretty decent named acts playing the Dark Lord, yeah. right? Dying Fetus, Revocation. Um, 
I don't remember the other ones. I, I, I don't know if I would say blacked out, but... Uh, you were having a good time. You were in the party of, mode. The middle of the day was a little fuzzy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. We didn't get any... But to be fair, all. we didn't get any one of those famous pictures of Nick just passed out on the floor. No, we did not. None of those. I like you, that that was a thing for a while. Like, every couple <laughs> weeks, a new picture would f- surface just, of me just, just on the ground. Just dead on the floor. <laughs> just completely comatose. Well, it was more like just taking a quick break. <laughs> Sometimes Honestly, yeah, because he would just pop up and <laughs> just, just like, ah! Right, just like, just okay. give me like a 15 minute or 15 minute or here, guys. I'm going to rally. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> All right, I'm back. <laughs> Speed rallying. Right. Just, it, it was a minute or two. I'd just be like, oh, there's some floor. <laughs> and I'm back. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, okay. Alrighty then. I've been here for this. This is true. <laughs> Sometimes I've you, seen it. You just need to take it easy. So. I don't know what episode are we officially going to be on? Do you think this number is? This would is? be so 37, 40? I think 37 was supposed to be was yesterday's. No, 36 was yesterday. So then this would be 37, yeah. Whoa! That's we're, cool. We were, we're almost there. you're almost at 40, dude. How does it feel? Makes me feel old. It doesn't make you realize <laughs> that old. you were going to pop almost 30 years we old. Are. We're getting old. I like sitting more and more. Right. <laughs> And I already love. Am I the only thirty-year-old on this panel? (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ. We're all all still in our twenties, Nate. You're older than dirt. So sorry. (laughs) Thirties are not special. Guess what happens in your thirties, guys? You're thirty. More pain. More pain is exactly (laughs) the answer. All of a sudden, your body's like, "Hey." That's not. Hey, Tyler. That's not a good thing for me because I've I've been in pain my whole life. Fuck you. That's exactly what it's saying. Right. Your knee. Do you remember your knee? I remember. They're already doing that. (laughs) I remember. I've had a very hard life. When I was a kid, my dad used to say, he's like, dude, your body doesn't forget. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that advice, man. And then now I'm 31, and I'm like, oh, my body doesn't fucking forget. My knees are broken. <laughs> my body used to be all right. Yeah, used to be is the word. Don't know what happened. It used to be a temple. Now it's just like a... Ancient ruins. A broken yeah, down it, shack. It's like a... It's like an a aluminum siding, um, once great temple that's just now like rubble, turds. rubble and turds. Busted up old chicken coop. Thank you. Yes. Good God. That busted up exactly old chicken what it coop. Is. is it chicken Lots coop? Lots of coops. No chickens. Yeah. Lots, Lots of coops. <laughs> a little bit of hay. Oh, man. They all died in the wind last What summer. are you looking at, Tyler? I'm not sure what you're reading. There's a there's a story on the side of this uh, Lagunitas <laughs> bottle. Well, was it story time with Tyler? Yes. Oh, my God. It? That's I'll a great segment. Tell us all about it. All right. So the side of this label says, up until the summer of 2010, we'd always had a little ditty on the side here that was a peon to a good old hot cup of joe. I feel was, like bebopping is the next line in this phrase. I'll throw bebop in here no matter what. It was built on the bones of the 23rd Psalm and went something like, Coffee is my shepherd, I shall not. But that was where the trouble started. Turns out talking about coffee's happy side on an ale label is a verboten, or is verboten now in America. So the things that I am allowed to say about it are that the coffee is delicious, that the ale is delicious... And that together they are not worse than the sum of their individual deliciousness. Most of all, which are delicious. The label is glued on real well, too. (laughs) We make darn sure that there are no holes in the glass. Thankfully. Otherwise, we wouldn't be drinking this. And that the cap stays put. 
We are proud of this and wish to brag about it all on this label, which is allowed by law. Thanks. Call us. And then they put their phone number in cheers. <laughs> hashtag See, you will also find a needle on the floor. Hashtag, the, hashtag bebop and the needles. Bebopping with some needles. Bebopping but, with needles should be the episode you know, that, title. That's, that's cheesy as hell. And, and like who honestly sits down like every time – like, I, I would have never thought to Nobody, read that. No one proofed that. No. <laughs> They're like, you can just start whatever you want, and we're going to put it on there. How did you read that right now? I'm curious. <clears throat> I'm a man. Whoa! Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I mean that's, that's kind of a cute, like, like somebody, somebody went out of their way. To make that slightly humorous, you were know, they it, lit it wasn't as fuck the, when they did that? Do what? Do you Almost think they were lit certainly. when they were doing that? Probably. I mean, like, oh my god, I gotta write about this beer. And it was the end of the day, and I, it's kind of like me putting out my podcast. Yeah. Ooh, like at midnight. Like, so are you gonna give me that label description? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> that is that that person is me. <laughs> I love that because I'm like the only too, one that yeah. totally relates with your level of like, oh fuck, it's midnight. And I gotta get this out to you. So are you gonna put that one out, Nick? Uh, maybe. Uh, I thought about it, you know. But I, I, that's kind of cute and funny, and I, I appreciate it because, I mean, if if you read it like they actually spelled verboten the way that someone writing in German would spell verboten. Which is, you know, which is forbidden, you yep. know. And then like America was spelled the way a German would spell it, with a spelled K. with a K. Um, I don't know, little stuff like that. I, I thought it was funny.